Hello and welcome back to the Bakersfield Sounds podcast. I'm Emil. And I'm Becca. This is a show where we get together with a different guest each time to talk about issues that affect our music community. And today we are here with Mr. Mike Spanky. He is the man behind STS Effects. He plays guitar in the Eric Burroughs band, does all the guitar or a lot of the guitar work for Bakersfield Sound Company, and he is a father, which is an increasingly hard job these days. Mike, how you doing, man? Absolutely. I'm doing great, brother. How are you guys? We're doing all right. It's um hot in Bakersfield. So yeah, we all have to deal with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm continually just like I don't know. I'm, there's part of my brain that one day just expects me to get used to the heat, but then there's the other side of my brain that's like, no, I'm always going to be a child about it. No, I can't wait till it's like November, December. Oh, sweater weather. Finally. We don't really even get that that long weather. We get like a Sweater week. weather, basically. A week of sweater weather. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, just moved back from Washington State a couple years ago. And I miss it so bad. <laughs> the weather, anyways. Not anything else about it, but the weather for sure. It's pretty up there. Oh, it's beautiful. I don't even know what snow is. <laughs> well, my front yard, um, 16 inches on average through the wintertime. It was pretty Man. nice. Is it, though? You got to be getting, then you got to get uh, your driveway dug out and all that stuff. It's all tundra. Oh, no. It was awesome because. It was new for us for a year, and my daughter, she was six and seven at the time, and it was the closest we've gotten. She loves the snow, so it was the first time I didn't have to wake her up in the morning. She'd wake me up at 5 a.m. Daddy, let's go get the driveway so we could play. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. That's a nice Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, she, she loved it. Well, Mike, let's go ahead and jump into the subjects here. I want to start at the top and uh, just could you give us just like a general uh, rundown about STS effects and all the pedals that you offer? Yeah, so um, I haven't put out anything new lately. Uh, I've been working way too much to get on the breadboard and play around. Um, Right now we're offering uh, my staple effect, which is the boost pedal, um, which was built out of necessity. It is a 100% clean boost, class D transistor amplifier basically um, offers 28 to 30 dBs of clean boost. Um, I get asked a lot. This doesn't sound like a clean boost. And the, the next question usually is, well, what are you playing it through? <laughs> um, well, a 15 watt amp, but yeah, <laughs> it's sending your amp into overdrive. It's not the pedal that's driving. There's no clipping diodes of any kind. It's just a, a clean boost. Yeah. Uh, but you put that same pedal in front of a hundred watt twin and you're getting a giant volume change without any overdrive. Yeah, I don't find, uh, since, um, I guess I should say, since we're on the show here, I have one of these on my personal pedal board. I had it made in um, all purple with white knobs as a tribute to Prince, and I call it Purple Gain. It is. It is I love that pedal. <laughs> and it, I, I, I would agree with the, uh, the situational aspect that you were talking about there, because I've never found any... Um, What's the word? Coloration in, in the use of mine. Right. If anything, you know, maybe a little bit of saturation, but that's because it's just, you know, feeding into the amp more, and that's just my amp sounding better because I'm playing it through uh, Sigmund Midnight Blues. Oh, wonderful amp. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of the Austrian Madman. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, you know, when I, when I first started the company, it wasn't even with the intention of starting a company. It was more of, Okay, um, 
I'm working a 410 schedule now. I've never had three days off in a row in my life. And I was getting restless hands. And my grandma and grandpa always said, restless hands are the devil's playground. <laughs> so I, I like, I really like to keep busy, right? And so I'm like trying all these pedals out. And I'm, I, all I really was trying to build was a pedal for myself. And going down that rabbit hole of how does the transistor work? How does it, what's PNP versus SDG? Um, why do they work this way? And I started doing a lot of research. And I, I get to the boost pedal, which is probably the most underutilized pedal, but most effective on a board in so many ways. Um, I tried the Katana out. I tried the EP booster. I tried the micro amp and all wonderful pedals in their own right. But they all did something I don't like. And that's, that's just it kind of browned the sound out. It, it muddied the tone. And uh, in my guitars, I have my sound dialed in the way I want it and what I'm looking for. And so when I clicked the boost on and it just kind of rolled the highs and the mids out, I'm like, that just kind of takes away the articulation. It, it, it works great for a martial amp setting. If you're going for that super high gain and needing a boost, I guess, um, kind of along the lines with the, the TS nine Ibanez overdrive tube screamer. It's like one of the most used overdrives on the yeah. planet or at least used to be. Um, it kind of, I, I still think you're there. It's very classic. Yeah, and I, I just didn't like what it was doing to my amp. You know, we've, we've got these very expensive boutique amps and, and, and pickups and guitars, and I wanted a clean boost. So I started doing some research, and I found a circuit I really liked, um, in theory, reading about it. And so I, I built one in a breadboard and started changing it and, and tweaking it here and tweaking it there, doing more research. And, about three months of uh, breadboarding on this one. And it, when I finally said, yeah, this is what I, I think this is what's going to be it. I put it into a circuit board that I made and put it into the pedal. And I built two of them, one for me and one for my dad. And my dad's like, okay, son, you know, I'm, I make my living playing music. I will keep it and cherish it. But if I don't like it, it's not going on my board. And at that point in time, I wasn't a company yet. I barely thought of the name. And, uh, he calls me the next day. He goes, so just letting you know, I just took my EP boost off and it's definitely taking its place. <laughs> and that is a very popular, that's a very popular pedal, the EP boost from Exotic Effects. Yeah. And everyone that I've sold one to, um, which they're in five different countries now, um, haven't sold a great deal of them, but everybody who's, who's purchased one or has been given one has done exactly that. They replaced their their EP or katana, and more often than not, they're ordering a second one for their board too, to uh, help drive their uh, overdrive circuits. That's super cool. And see, I'm obviously I'm not a guitar player, so a lot of this stuff is kind of going over my head. What uh, what was that difference they had uh, over the the EP and the katana boost? Um, how are those kind of different? I mean. I, not, I don't, this is from me not knowing uh, very much about this. Yeah, stuff. she's asking for the layman's I'm perspective. I'm asking for the layman's perspective. I enjoy this, so I'm, I'm learning a lot. Well, um, easiest way I could say it, if you are plugged from your guitar into your amp, and that tone you're getting from your guitar to amp, that's the tone you're getting out of my pedal, just louder. It's just like you're turning the volume so up. Yours is, you say that uh, yours is just a lot cleaner than those other two standard boosts. 
Yes, and in a very different platform as far as electronically awesome. too. Um, they're using a new integrated circuit, which is called an op amp, an operational amplifier. And they're uh, usually a lot quieter. Um, they're not as powerful, but they, uh, they're extremely inexpensive, um, easy to source. And there's less um, hum in the circuit. So where I'm using an old school transistor circuit, uh, which turns it into a, an amplifier, basically. And if you have an issue with your pedal board or with your guitar or a ground issue, it definitely lets you know, because anything that goes into the pedal is getting that amplified. Makes sense. That's true. Okay, cool. <laughs> so it, I, I kind of get into it too much because I'm trying to learn about it. And I, so I talk about it a lot. Uh, no, that's very cool. It, that, and that makes sense. That makes sense to me. So yeah, I, I love that explanation. It lets you know very quickly if you have a clean chain. Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, in fact, the one I built for Drew at Bakersfield Soundco, um, which he wanted very specific. I want it clean white. I don't want any stickers on it. And I want a blue LED and a blue knob. And he goes, he, he's like, I love this one of my favorite pedals, but he puts it on his board and he comes up to me and goes, man, I think there's something wrong with the pedal. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you got something wrong with your grounds. <laughs> <laughs> so he, what he does, he rebuilds his, buys a new power supply, redoes all his cabling, and no, no more hum. And now he's got the, I believe it's called the compadre from Strymon. So it's got the compressor and the boost yeah, built in. Pretty sure he has one. Of and those it's a great boost. It really is. Uh, but he's man, he's all my hum's gone. And it's really important for players like Drew because they use in-ear monitors. So if you got any noise at all, it's just being amplified right in your ear. Yes, that's annoying. So he goes, yeah, he told me last week, he goes, I'm going to put it back on my board and give it a shot and see, see if it happens. I'm like, or well. If you're, uh, I was going to say, even if you don't use in-ears, if you're used to uh, practicing in a small space that has a lot of like bounce back and your amp is close yes. to a mic. Oh, absolutely. Get that feed. Right. So it, it's, it's, I talk about that pedal first because it's my favorite. Um, the other circuit that I offer is uh, the warm compress. It is an optical uh, compressor and it's based on the flat line from back in the eighties, which is a great circuit. The closest one that you could compare it to would be like the opto compulator from Demeter. And they're known for building high end, studio grade rack units for for compression and uh two mic pre's and direct boxes and he they're they're in every studio on the planet for the most part any professional studio anyways um so i try to keep it along the same lines is that i want to keep your tone as much your tone that you paid for with your pickups in your amp as possible so when i was researching a compressor which is something i use quite often playing a lot of country music I just really love the optical compressor. It, it just, the signal stays clean. There is no degradation of your tone. There's a slight boost to the circuit, but it's one of those compressors that you get the sustain and you get the squeeze, but it's not overly done. Um, I've always told anybody that's ever known me that plays with me, the best effect is one that you can barely tell is on. Yeah, yeah one that has the minute details. The nuance. Right. Exactly. 
and love that pedal. I've got one on my board um, too. Uh, I haven't sold a lot of those just because the, there are a lot of great compressors there out are. there. Um, I know I have, it. You, you were mentioning the, uh, the compadre from Strymon. I know that's a great one. And you were saying that, you know, Drew runs that and then his, his boost. And I know that I, I run mine in the same chain, but mine's just an ego. I have a Wampler ego right before you right. boost. Uh, absolutely. My favorite uh, compressor. I actually have one of his first 100 runs of those. Um, that was my brother's. And he, before he passed away, uh, almost eight years ago, he, we went to NAM in 2010 for his company, which was uh, Mothership Pedal Boards. And he really kind of did the same thing I'm doing. Um, but his brain works a lot different than me. My, my brother was highly book smart. Um, he downloaded AutoCAD and learned how to run AutoCAD without any classes or courses. And he did it phenomenally well. Uh, so he designed this pedal board with built-in switchers. So he, he actually got the funding and, and spent almost $20,000 on a booth at NAM. And here comes this guy, really loved what Ryan was doing, and it ended up being Brian Wampler. Well, we hung out with him the whole weekend. And so he gave us a gift before we're leaving, his, his ego compressor. And that is still a staple in as far as pedals go for me. That compressor is truly amazing. That's awesome. That's a great story. But the, yeah, it was, it was way cool. I mean, in fact, when I went to NAM in January, I went up uh, to him sat this Saturday before the close. And I said, Brian, how you doing, man? I said, Mike Spink. He goes, yeah, I remember you. He's all, how's your brother? And I was like, oh, so we had the, the conversation. We, we sat down and talked. And I was like, dude, I started my own pedal company. And uh, would you mind lending me your ear? And he goes, yeah, it's great. And it was about 30 minutes before closing. So showed him the pedals and he's just like, wow that's one of the best pedals boost pedals i've ever heard and he goes what are you running i said well it's a transistor circuit he goes dude do you mind if i grab my screwdriver and open it up and i i very jokingly well half-hearted jokingly anyway <laughs> i told him i said well brian the only way you're going to see the inside of that pedal is, is the same way i have to see the inside of yours full retail <laughs> <laughs> and he, he just started laughing um but it was it was it was a lot of fun and he's I've been able to reach out to him for resources as far as manufacturing. And um, like I said, before we started the meeting, I got some cool things looking like they're going to come down the pipeline with another guitar manufacturer that may or may not be starting a pedal line. And they'd have the resources to, to blow it up. So basically I will be building their circuits for them and they'll be, distributing which will be great because they have over 100 dealers in the united states alone so if every yeah so if every one of the dealers orders one pedal of each circuit i'm going to be busier than i've ever been in my life yeah so some good things coming down the pipe hopefully yeah and it's not a small dealer it's a high-end boutique guitar builder uh, they're in guitar center now they're uh they've been on sweetwater musician's friend uh and well, I'll just say without saying the name of the manufacturer, but Carl Verhane has a signature model with oh, them. Oh, there you go. That's a good so, one. <laughs> yeah. And you can imagine. You, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. I think so. I'm not sure, though. I got to be honest. I've fallen off with a lot of things, um, especially guitar-wise, because I have the guitars that I want, and I've stopped paying attention right. to it. Like, 
I got that airline that I got recently completely by happenstance because I just figured the last guitar that I was going to buy was my Silver Sky. I bought that thing and I was just, you know, I'm happy. I don't need anything else. So I stopped paying attention and I only focus on like other gear now, you know, like your pedals. <laughs> right, right. Which is very appreciated. Um, I love building that. Every one that I build, it's just kind of like uh, a kid at Christmas. I, I, I love building them. It's not about the income. It's not about the revenue. In, in my aspect of it, where I'm at with my company, there's really, there's really no revenue because any money that comes in either goes to new tools or buy restocking supplies. I think I've given out or endorsed uh, 42 players. So that's 42 pedals. That's 42 transistors, 42 switches, 84 jacks. Like, you know, each one of those jacks are expensive. The input and output jacks, they're almost two bucks a piece. So when you start um, amplifying or multiplying, adding that all up, there's a lot of cost that goes into it. So without any kind of, you know, I'm just a single income family with me and my wife and two kids. And so it's been very hard to keep that up. But I think we hit the turning point and with the COVID stuff happening, now we're at this turning point and trying to get materials. Everything's manufactured in China and including my circuit boards that I had made. So getting anything here to the U S is it's been trying. It's been definitely a hard task in the last two months. Now you had, you did, you mentioned the, we've got, we got your boost and then the warm compress. Are there any other pedals or is it just those two right now? Yeah. So I have, um, I'm, I'm working on one right now. Uh, well, let's just say I have an AD box. It's a, it's in the same small enclosure, the 1598, uh, pedal board friendly. I like to call it. Um, and just like, I believe your reinforcer was one of the very first, uh, backlit, it wasn't the first, but it is lit up from the back, right? The yeah, logo. One of the fr- one of the first couple ones of those backlits. Yeah, I think yours is the very second one that I did, um, and I have an AD box um, for amp switching or guitar switching, and I can actually I offer it in both directions, so the logo uh, letters face right. But when you're in channel A, an A lights up. When you're in channel B, a B lights up, and it's backlit just the same as the. Uh, uh, reinforcer. Can you explain to me really quick? Um, I had a random question. What did you mean by uh, pedal board friendly? Another layman question. Well, it, as most gigging musicians, we like to fit as real estate is extremely expensive on a, on a bandstand, especially in the small venues we play when we're doing bar gigs and, and private parties. We usually get a cutout little corner of a bar or a dance floor or a patio and you want to be able to carry as many effects with you as you can on and keep your board uh, somewhat so small. So it's compact, of course. Yeah, that, smallest that, so that completely makes sense, yes. Yeah, yeah. So you, um, we're getting ready to try something different. Um, I'm working on a website, and I want to have an option. Have uh, Emil, have you seen the tap tempo boxes, the really small yeah. ones? Yeah, I've been thinking about so, getting, uh, uh, getting one of those to be uh, – for my um my h9 so i can just have the tap out for that well if you want one let me know 25 bucks nice. <laughs> can it be purple to match yeah. purple gain absolutely oh. absolutely um i'm powder coating now too so uh we can do it in powder coat as well all right um 
So I don't know if you use a switcher system like a Bradshaw or an OctaSwitch or yeah. A, oh yeah, I have anything the, like uh, that. Uh, what what the the I can't even think of the name now. It's that latest one that that Electro Harmonics put out. It's a huge huge switcher. Yeah, so super switcher. That's what I'm it's called. I want to make a line switcher. of pedals that are more switcher friendly. Uh, that are half the size. So imagine the tap tempo being the reinforcer. And how we do that is by bypassing the switch because the switch isn't necessarily needed if you're using a switcher system. They're always on. You're just pulling them into the loop and out of the loop with the, with this. So uh, a friend of me came up to me and said, hey, can you build me one this size? And let's see how many of these circuits we can get that size and lose the switch. Um, it's less resistance. It's... Um, direct through you don't have to your cost goes down and it it'll you know alleviate a lot of room on the the pedal board and i'm like man how come nobody's done this before it just hasn't hit them yet yeah there's definitely a market for it um besides the av box i do a lot of pedal modifications uh the most popular one that i've done a ton of so far is the volume pedal um, the VP Junior. So we are taking and putting a buffer slash boost circuit in the volume pedal because, well, the passive volume pedals they just they just suck your tone out. Um, it's same as a guitar potentiometer. When you roll your tone off or your volume off on your guitar, what happens to your tone? You lose your mids and you lose yeah. your highs. It is uh, an inherent defect of a potentiometer. So by adding a, a, a buffered boost circuit to the volume pedal, uh, we are making the circuit active. And with mine versus the JHS or the analog man, you absolutely keep every nuance of your tone from heel to toe on the volume pedal. And I know it to be true for a fact because I have all three and I've beat them all together. And so we did the same thing at Bakersfield Sound Co. We had like eight different guitar players come in and, and try them all out without any names on it. Which one sounds the cleanest? And they picked mine eight times out of eight. You got that cool. double blind test. A double blind? Yeah. Yeah, so it it is a fantastic volume pedal after that. And it, it's really awesome because you can put it at the end of your pedal board instead of the beginning. And it actually buffers your entire signal chain at the end so it restabilizes your circuit oh yeah so you wouldn't have to buy an extra buffer if you run incredibly long lines like me sometimes right right that's a that's a great so, idea with that i never even thought about put, throwing like that type of situation yeah we have two available i just completed um for for resale at uh, bakersfield soundco one's new and one's used uh, but we tried something different with the used one. Uh, we put a 10 millimeter LED under the chassis, and oh wow, it just it glows. I was going to say, does it does it go 80s it, on you? Oh man, it is awesome. It'll definitely light up the pedals next to it. I imagine without blinding that's you. That's what the uh, if if we were building time machine DeLoreans, that there would be that type of light underneath the gas pedal. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So you had... So, uh, but, oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, that's okay. Uh, all I was going to say is with, we're, I'm going to be trying to 
change it just a little bit, not as tone or anything, but I, I want to try and have the LED brightness go with the amount of boost you're giving the pedal. Oh, that so would be awesome. As you're, yeah, it's, as you turn the boost off on the volume pedal, the, the LED gets dimmer. As you add boost, it gets brighter. Not only do you have a, a an audio uh, reference with your amp, but you'll have a visual reference in a dark stage to know, hey, I'm definitely giving it more boost. <laughs> That's how That's awesome, really man. cool. Um, I, yeah, so there's, there's some cool things going on. I wanted to ask, because you had mentioned about, um, I think you said five different countries that you've ended up sending pedals to, and I just wanted to ask, like, what's the furthest one? So, uh, I'm not sure if Norway is farther than Australia, but I have two in Australia, and I have uh, one in Norway. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever heard of, or have ever heard of Tora Agrod, Adolf. No. Um, she is a huge, huge player in an amazing guitar player in Norway. Into Norway, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was a fun that was a, a fun um, getting it to her. You know, she goes, Yeah, I definitely like to try the pedals. So I sent her one and like ten days go by and the tracking stop once stops once it hits landing overseas for uh usps yeah yeah unless you're getting gxg it's most likely going to stop as soon as it lands in the next uh country i work for the postal service <laughs> oh so so then you 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 know very much so well it gets over there and i paid everything up front so it wouldn't cost her a dime i didn't want any kind of negative connotations um or feelings towards the pedal i wanted to get her honest opinion with and it ladies right? and gentlemen, so, let me let me inform you that's not cheap that's not cheap. <laughs> it is. It was definitely, definitely not cheap. But the more expensive part, when it came, how corrupt some things are. When when it got there to their customs, um, they're like, "Yeah, it's going to be four hundred knock. Knock is their form of currency, I yes. guess, yeah. if I'm saying that correctly." And so she like messaged me on on Instagram, "Hey." I just got the pedal from, from uh, the post office. It cost me 400 knot. And I was like, in my, I don't know the, the change rate, yeah. you know, exchange rate. And I think that's like a 250 bucks maybe. <laughs> no, it actually wasn't was that it? bad. Um, it was $40. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but when I said that, and I, I immediately replied, I don't care what the cost is. I want you to have this pedal immediately like send me your PayPal and let me know what it, what the exchange rate is and I'll send you the cash. Uh, and so, yeah, it, I'm thinking, oh, my wife's going to kill me. This is going to be like a thousand dollars for a freaking pedal or something. <laughs> then I was like, oh, it's 40 bucks. Okay. No problem. Whatever. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, uh, well, I guess not ask, but I guess just talk a little bit more about your uh, your partnership and your work with Bakersfield Sound Company. We are very um, supportive of them. They're very supportive of us. And I just want to talk a little bit about the type of work that you're doing there, because I saw quite a few things. I know that you, um, I think you customized, carved a, a, a bone nut for a guitar, didn't you, recently? Uh, several, several, yeah. So tell us a little bit yeah, about what you've been absolutely. doing there. So uh, really, it's been a little bit of everything. Uh I've had damaged acoustics come in with uh, warped 
with the belly dip in front of the bridge that uh, we were prepared. Um, a lot of pickup swaps. Uh, I think I've installed more fish influence pickups being there than anybody else in California because just so happens that two of the bands that are endorsed by Fishman bring all their, their guitars there. And so I've gotten to really learn that system really well. Um, and I love their pickups, by the way. They're, they're amazing. Um, do, uh, doing fret jobs, you know, fret dressing, uh, refrets. Um, really? I didn't realize you, you did, doing refrets do now. Well, we have fallen into that because uh, I told Drew when I started, I said, if we're going to be a repair shop, I want to do everything. And he's like, well, you know, I, we have uh, Ryan doing this work. And I'm like, yeah, but it's the problem with that is we get the clients coming in and I, we've built the, the repair booth and they see my face. I develop a rapport with these customers and I'm not trying to take any work from anybody at all. But when they're coming and handing it to me, they most of the time bypass the counter and not even realize we have to do a service ticket. And they're saying, hey, you know, we can do this. So absolutely. I don't say no, because even if I can't, I have people that definitely know how to do it. And I've learned a lot in the last few months by doing stuff like that. And I've been working on guitars pretty much my whole life. My dad's been a professional road musician. He fed me and my brother um, and paid our, our bills off of playing music. So we, I was always intrigued with how to work on guitars. And this has really been a, a blessing in disguise for me with the COVID because I'm on furlough from my normal job, which is the oil fields, and I'm doing something that I'm absolutely passionate about, building pedals and working on guitars. That's a really cool opportunity, a strange silver lining situation. Yeah. I was going to uh, interject nah. and, and just ask, is it between the, uh, the you and Ryan situation, are, I would imagine that they're getting tons of work right now. So, like... There's no no. I would I would assume that there's no such thing as a shortage of techs for them right now. Like you know, don't they need as many guitar techs as possible? Because I know me personally, like when I bring things in, I bring like five guitars at once. It, it's getting to that point. Um, let's say the most work we we've done, it got to when we were doing when they were shut down. Like they called me and one thing they said, "Hey, can you wire this up?" You know, because I build effects pedals and. I know the electronic side of it. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And then another guy came in at the same time. He's like, well, hey, I need this done too. And Drew's like, can you do that? And I'm like, well, there, I don't think there's much I can't do if I put my mind to it. There's um, no shortage of work. I've got, right. You know, it's like, it's not being cocky or conceited, but it's like I told you, like my Aunt Teresa's uh, boyfriend, he, he's a luthier. He builds guitars right here in Bakersfield, California. And he has every tool you can ever think of or would ever need. And he's like, yeah, anytime you have any questions, bring it over here. We'll, we'll work on it. And he's a fantastic builder, by the way, um, TNT guitars. Oh, nice. Okay. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been great. And so one thing led to another, I went from picking up like one guitar a day. I was picking them up and come bringing them home, working on them and bringing them back to where I was bringing in five to seven a day. Everybody was home, nothing to do. They were getting their instruments worked I on. I think a lot of people are it, just wanting, they now have instruments that they want to play more and they yeah. got, they realize you got to, they need some repairs. Right. 
and it's just incredible too, amount. which a lot of people are doing right now you people buy a new instrument a lot of the first thing you need to do is have it set up mm-hmm. right and so when i first started when they opened back up in, in june 1st i uh, had a meeting with drew and gary and thomas and but yeah we want to bring them into the shop and i'm like okay um well how what are we gonna do about an area well tell us what, what do you need and they have a guy working and doing uh, redoing the renovations for the music rooms and uh, the acoustic room. I came in one morning and the bench was pushed out. He had this wraparound counter built. And Drew's like, dude, here's a credit card. Go get you a toolbox. Whatever you need, let, let's let's get this going. I'm like, oh, wow. These guys are serious. Well, <laughs> I was only working like three days a week down there at the time. I told him I wouldn't work any more than what we had for repairs. And I've been going home every day for the last month with stuff to do tomorrow. So it, it's definitely getting busier. Well, yeah. And like you said, you're branching out your um, work on like, you know, what you're doing. As as you clearly heard me say, I wasn't aware that they were doing refretting work because I know that I've been talking to Ryan for quite a long time now about getting one of my guitars refretted. And I've kind of gone back and forth on it. And... uh it's one of those things I've just never pulled the gun on because it's a 1945 Gibson, so I'm oh, like scared. Yeah. <laughs> is, is it a bound neck? Yeah. Oh yeah, that that's see that's, that's quite a bit yeah. more tricky when you start talking about binding on the neck without damaging it anything. Is a classic piece of history. So yeah, but yeah, that's 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 besides the point. I apologize for sidetracking. I'm just ever since you oh, said no, it's great. That's all I'm thinking about. Love talking about this. <laughs> Dude, I'm a guitar nerd. Like that, it, if somebody comes in and I'd be, I'll be working. And I told Drew, you better get me a room in the back because if somebody <laughs> starts talking to me about guitars, I forget about everything else. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit off air about that one then. Okay. Now uh, let's get back to some subjects here. Let's let's switch it off the pedals and and stuff like that. And let's go to you as as a musician because you're a guitarist and. I just want to ask you, as as another fellow guitarist, are you getting anxious about wanting to get out there and play? Um, yes, because uh, when I left for Washington, I was with Eric Burroughs uh, uh, and Brett Seaton and Gene, and we were called the Twisted River Band, and we were only in fruition for about six months, and we played quite a few gigs. But when I left for Washington, I haven't played another live gig since oh, then. Oh, jeez, that's a stretch. And I did my first gig back Saturday night for a private party. And man, I, uh, I felt stronger as a player coming back because I play every day, um, at least an hour a day. Plus being at the music shop, every guitar I set up, I play, you know, so I've been playing a great deal. And I, when I, we played all those songs, it just like, man, I, now the bugs really set in because I've got my Drew set up my pedal board for me. I got a, a new Strymon Big Sky. I got a Ryra Klon copy and my uh, Wampler faux tape, uh, tape echo delay pedal and my orange 8030 and a Fender Pro Junior. And I played in stereo, which is the first time I've played in stereo in a very long time. And I'm like asking Eric, dude, when's the next gig? Like, we, <laughs> we got to play. Like, that was awesome. Even though we never played with the drummer before and it was kind of rough getting through all the songs, it was still one of the, some of the most fun I've had in a long time. That's good. And it's, you know, it's, it's, 
I know you guys are playing private gigs, but it is a shame that we are in that situation right now where we don't find ourselves with more opportunities to play because of current medical situations in the world. And right. it's a bummer. And, and I, I know that me personally, we just started practicing again recently because we're all finally feeling a little bit comfortable and we have enough control of our situations to be like, no, we're going to be okay. We can all get together and practice. And um, right. it's been oh, like the fire that gets lit under you when you get back in that room with everybody and you get a chance to play. And I know just in the past two weeks that I've felt that way, that I'm like, oh, my God, I want to go play live again. And then I've, I've had such a diminish, uh, diminishing of how much I've, I'm playing. And I all I do is is play music in different like aspects. And I have some I had so much cut out of my life that even when I got to playing uh, getting back to rehearsal, I was like, yes, I actually kind of like this. It's not something <laughs> I like anymore. I forgot. This is kind of fun, I guess. But then we have the, the realistic side where you then, you, then we got to look at the rising numbers of cases in this town and remember that we're probably not going to get to uh, go play out in you know, those situations for a little while. And it can, get, it can get frustrating. For a while, it's not prudent to be doing live shows at all. You know, yeah, but things where you can control your situation. That note, though, look what look what musicians as a whole have done in the last four months, five months, however long this this has been going on. Um, It just shows, as a musician, when you have that drive and the passion, and whether or not you're good or not doesn't matter at that point. They're finding ways to share their art. The the live streaming, the amount of I'm look what our own Gary Rink did. On his downtime, he put out some killer recordings. Yeah, killer. And all done through. And now we get money on Instagram and Facebook doing all these live recordings. And for me as a dad, I don't hardly ever get to go see Monty play. I love watching Monty. He's an amazing Phenomenal. performer and musician. And so now I get to see him more perform than I did when he was just gigging. So it's been kind of a nice change for me. Yeah. And you realize that people are starting to do things just for the pure joy of it now that like some of these other things in our life have been taken away and we're back to only the essentials, only the essentials. Exactly. People are really just doing these things for the pure joy of making music. And we we do have a, a, there's an absence in everyone's life where those things used to be. So what all this is leading up to, Mike, is that we have one final question for you, and this is something that we are asking basically everyone that we've talked to so far um, in the this, what we're, I guess, technically calling the second season, but it's all one thing, so you know what I'm saying. Uh, but we've asked everyone, right. so we have to ask you as well. Uh, how do you think the state of live music will be when we are able to go out and play shows again? Do you think that there will be more support than pre-pandemic, uh, for, especially for... Um, original music like people not necessarily just going for cover bands just um i in california alone uh i've refused to talk politics because a lot of my friends don't agree with me so i won't i'll keep it there but talking about the politics of cover bands in california it's it's kind of i think we're kind of getting to the point where it's getting damaged beyond repair but i really do believe it's going to be how long are we going to be in this scenario? Is this season going to keep growing and growing? Are we going to get a cure by January? Like, I think the longer we're away from it, the more people are going to figure out how to live their lives without it. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to stop it, but I definitely think that 
it, it's going to hurt. Oh, it. yeah, um, but we're not necessarily. Let me rephrase. I guess that's not the question I was asking. I'm I'm more asking um, about how you think people will react to being able to go go to live music again. Like I wasn't ask, asking about like how you think COVID has oh. helped musicians. Like we're just we are hoping that in this sense, there's been such an absence of live music, and I think that you would agree with us that before uh, this hit we had seen this very interesting complacency with live music where live music was starting to become the jukebox in the corner where yes. it was being disrespected to, in my opinion, disrespected to a, good, a degree that we didn't appreciate. And it's one of the reasons that we started this show to talk to people about, you know, the value of music in our community and to bring the music community together. So more specifically, I'm, I'm asking about that type of aspect. Like, do you think because we've had this, um, absence like i had said of live music that maybe when we get back to it people will won't won't take it for granted so much like do you think we'll see maybe a renewed enthusiasm for getting to see live performers do you think maybe people will uh maybe not want to see live performers so much and just want to hear things that they've known like you know that aspect what's your take on that okay so i truly hope so but when you think about it in the type of gigs that i played um the Pyrenees, uh, Lone Oak, Rock and Rodeo back when he used to be open. You know, <laughs> uh, we're, the band is literally, uh, for the most part, just a facade. There's usually two or three people that you're truly pay- playing for in, in the venue. Um, it's just to say we have live music. It, there are very few venues in town where you actually have the people come to watch Absolutely. you play. Um, so... I hope so, but I think at the same time, even if they go there with the truest intention to actually watch a live performance, when the drinking starts, that goes out the window and it's onto the conversation with the friends and you're a facade again. So it definitely makes me want to, let me, how do I put this? (laughs) Yeah. When Fish Lips was around. Rest in peace. I loved Loved that venue because it usually was all the musicians in town hung out there and everybody got up to play and everybody stopped there and listened. And that was, that was the funnest performing for me because you're playing for all your fellow musicians and you knew without a doubt that they appreciated it and that they were there and watching. So I think we could use another venue like that for sure. I think I was too young to be at Fish Lips ever. Shut down before I was like one of those things that we think, um, at least on the podcast here, is that we think that in order to have that venue, the community has to make it. Nobody's going to give us a venue that just does that. The community has to make one. We've been talking a lot about like what are adequate spaces for live music to happen. That we we agree that the live music can't just be an afterthought to just enhance somebody's business. It can't just be somebody shoved into a corner in a cafe or you know some small restaurant or whatever. That like if you want to have like decent live music and you know creates a support for it and decent audience and pay people fairly and create a good culture because then you ideally need to make if space you want to it. have live music you need to be supporting live music yes so if you want to actually support right. live music which will in turn benefit the entire town you do need to create space for those things i think bakersfield sound co had a good good you know idea with the the uh, musician night and the songwriters night is one of my favorite events that's come through this town in my entire history of playing music here 
Yeah, it, it, it definitely, I, I unfortunately never got to go because, you know, the two kids and um, me and my wife do everything together outside the house. Uh, just something we've always practiced. So with the two kids and no babysitters, all of our parents pretty much live out of town or out of state. So we don't get a lot of date nights. And that was definitely one that I was looking forward to hit. And then so when I started working, there, I'm like, great, they're going to help me have me work the venue, too. And I'll get to see these things. And get paid for it. And then the, <laughs> the COVID's just taken back over. It's like, man, you're you're ruining everything for me. We will be back though, because I know I talked yes. to Drew and Thomas. I found out recently that Thomas and I have the same address just on different streets and we live really close to each other. So that's fun. But uh they those guys are those guys are always scheming and plotting on something for the future. And it makes me so happy of how supportive they are of this entire community. You have no idea how happy I am to be a part of that group because it, I've never once heard Drew or Gary or Thomas ever once say, how do we put the money first? It's always, how do we take this to the next level? How do we, how do we branch out so we can, we can do more for the community and we can do more for our fellow musicians? Yeah. I haven't it's not about the seen one time where somebody's came in in need where they haven't been over backwards to help them. Um, and it's always about the customer first and the musician first before their own welfare of the store, which is, is the watching the selflessness and, and the religion in that store is, has been a blessing. It, it really has because I'm surrounded by wonderful musicians, absolutely wonderful people. And they're really wanting to take it to the next step. And it's, I think people like them in this town are going to be a staple on, on where we go next. Um, as musicians and as a musical community. They're truly family. They really are. And I, I couldn't agree with that more. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to have them as my musical family, and I'm happy to hear that you, we're all in one big musical family because it makes me feel better about where I am in life in general, and that has nothing to do with the pandemic. It just happens to do with how much money I spend on music. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I, I'll tell you what. Growing up in... in in a musical family, you know, my aunt Teresa was a musician. My uncle Roger was my grandma met my grandfather back in the uh, late forties. She was 18 and she was in a touring band playing a stand-up bass. So, and my dad's been a touring musician my whole life. So uh, every musician in town knows everybody. When, when something happens to one musician, we all group together and we do everything we can to support that individual. And, uh, I don't know if there's another community like that that we have here in Bakersfield that is as strong as our community here. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely tight knit community. You can say, oh, oh, that band, you know, from the other night. Oh yeah, you're talking about. Well, how's Joel doing? Oh, he's doing great. Like everybody knows everybody. And we're working on making it all even tighter because to put it in words that specifically Drew will have fun with. Birds of a feather, we flock together, and if we got a problem, we talk together, and we head down That's south right. to escape the bad weather. <laughs> Drew, Drew loves Wolfpack, so there's a joke for him. Um, Mike, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about everything. Thank you for your time. I feel like I learned, I learned quite a bit, even though a lot of your uh, like technical stuff was like, wow, so <laughs> out of my depth here. But I'm sure Emil's often felt that way in previous episodes. Yeah. I love learning that. I love learning <laughs> new things. So this big field of. Oh awesome. man, it it 
so sorry I talked over your guys's head because believe me, a lot of the times I'm talking about it. <laughs> the gear people will love it's, it. It's uh, over my head too. Trust me, I'm I'm a baby fish. No, I love it because I I love learning new things. You know, it's a, that was super exciting. You sound you know, I really love your expertise that you lended to this episode. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I've really enjoyed myself, and I hope uh, we do it again in the future, and maybe. Uh, do something with all the guys at BSCO and, and maybe we can talk about where we're going. Yeah, we need to have a big group podcast in the shop one of these days with Gary and every because they've all been on the show. Like Thomas did the show by himself, then Gary did the show by himself, and then Thomas and Drew did the show together. So we really do. And Brian Lee did the show too. Like Brian works there. Like we, we definitely need to have like just a big Bakersfield Sound Company podcast on the Bakersfield Sound. Oh, absolutely. I think that'd be awesome. But until then, um, do you want to let people know where they can find you and where they can uh, go look at your pedals? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram or Facebook under STS Effects. Um, if you have any questions and you're local, you can come right on in to Bakersfield Sound Co. I'm usually there before they open, working on the technical stuff before I get bombarded with customers. But I'm there till 2.30 to 3.30 every day, uh, Monday through Friday. And uh, if you have any other questions, you can email me at stsfx at gmail.com. Uh, my phone's on all the time. I, my uh, information is definitely on my Instagram profile and my Facebook profile. So I welcome any, any questions, any custom builds. I've uh, been doing a lot of those too. So, <laughs> yeah, um, hit me up. I'm, I'm ready to Very go. Cool. He is. Hit him up. Get those pedals made because... Like he said, there's going to be a deal going with a company that we can't name right now, but these might not be as easy to get. And um, if you didn't get in on the certain run of them like I did, you're not going to be able to get them fully customizable. So sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I'll always do the customized reinforcer, not any of the other ones, uh, but I think I got to stick with that one. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to brag just in case they aren't customizable later. Hey, Purple Gain is one of my favorite ones I've done so far. I love the way that pedal looks. Hey, solid colors are hard to do, and so I'm not a painter. <laughs> so it, was, it was challenging in and of itself. Oh, you did a great job. You did a great job on that pedal. I love that pedal. You did a great job on here. And once again, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time, man. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You guys can find... You guys can find the show on uh, Instagram. Oh, sorry. You can find the show anywhere you find your podcast. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email us at bakersfieldsoundspod at gmail.com. You can also join our Facebook group, the Bakersfield Sounds Sound Off. That's a great way to talk to us. And for the last time, I'm Emil. And I'm Becca. Thank you guys for joining us.